This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade. It's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to partner and highlight other small businesses and in some cases forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community such as the dog rescue. So check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and don't forget to enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome everyone to the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host, Ivan, and together we'll embark on a weekly journey connecting with extraordinary hikers from all corners of the U.S. and beyond. As the cool and colorful embrace of fall envelops the Northern Hemisphere, we've had the privilege of conversing with remarkable individuals throughout this season. Their experiences and adventures will leave you yearning to hit the trails. And in today's episode, we're talking to an incredible individual who's been an amazing supporter of the podcast and has done some amazing hikes across California and the Southwest. Her name is Becca, and you can follow her on Instagram at i.am.becca. Becca shares with us some of her favorite places in and around Central California, including the beautiful Eastern Sierras. We also hear about her recent visit to the Grand Canyon, which included her adorable kitten Buttons, who's also been exploring other national parks across the Southwest with Becca and her family. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with our guest, Becca. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm really excited to talk to this individual today. She's going to be sharing some amazing places in and around her neck of the woods. Becca, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, we always like to start off by asking our guests how long they've been hiking for and how they got started. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I didn't really ever get started hiking. I kind of just was born into it. My family were all backpackers and hikers. So from really young we always just hiked and backpacked for as long as I can remember. I don't think I appreciated it much when I was a kid. I had a lot of anxiety. I was terrified of bears. Um, so whenever we'd go on backpacking trips, I would have these horrible panic attacks. And then as I got older, I kind of just kept hiking, like shorter hikes, walks, just as a way to kind of disconnect. I remember in college, my friends and I would just go out and hike around San Diego at the time, just to kind of get away and relax. And I didn't really even kind of think about it. I just, it was just always something that I did naturally. And then I kind of stopped for a few years I would keep doing little hikes, and I was exploring national parks a lot, but I would keep my hikes pretty short. 
And then about a year ago, I met my current boyfriend, and he's really into hiking, too. And he hadn't done it in a while. So we kind of motivated each other to get back into it and pushed each other to do longer hikes, tougher hikes, and just kind of get out of our comfort zone. So that's been really good. And ever since then, starting like last summer, we've just been on the trails and just pushing ourselves and hiking and getting out there and really enjoying it. So I'm like learning a whole new appreciation of, for hiking that, you know, I lost since I was a kid. Right on. And I'm excited about your most recent trip that you did. And I'll definitely be sure to ask you how that trek was because you went down the Grand Canyon and hiked all the way back up. Yeah. But um, I really didn't have any anxiety or fears um, when I started hiking about wildlife. And then in the last year, I came across some cougar footprints in the snow last winter or two winters ago. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I'm a little bit more cautious about my surroundings. And definitely like if I hear some creaks up in the tree, you know, my head does a 180 and looks up. How did you kind of overcome um, the anxiety of bear encounters? I just kind of forced myself out there. And it was really weird because I'd gone pretty much my whole life and I'd seen one bear and it was running off the other direction, mm. like bears usually do when you see them. And then last summer, camping, I saw a bear, I think it was Kings Canyon or Sequoia, we were camping up there and a bear came through the campground and I wanted oh, to wow. run. Like Every instinct in my body was like, go get in the car and run. And I was like, no, stay here, stand here. The bear's not paying any attention. There's lots of people around. The bear's just coming through and scoping out what it's going to come back and get for dinner later. So I just kind of was like, okay, just, just do it. You can just, you can get through this. So after that, it was like a month later and we're camping up in Mineral King in Sequoia and another bear comes through the campground and oh, this wow. one got a lot closer and I was just kind of like, okay, all right, you, you, you've got this. And the bear hung around for a while and it came through the campground and then we could hear it circling the campsite for a little bit. And I just kind of, just kind of swallowed my fear down and was like, it's fine. You know, there's other people around. I can get to the car if I need to. Being in a campground and seeing a bear, it feels different. And then I still haven't seen one out on the trail, so I don't know how I'm going to handle that. Yeah, I think I'm just going to start carrying bear spray just for the confidence it's going to give me. Like I did that when I was in Yellowstone just because of grizzly bears. you got to carry the bear spray. But I think oh, up yeah. here with even the black bears, I'm like, it's just going to give me that level of confidence and security. So I'm not always just like, oh my God, is that a bear? Oh my God, is that a bear? The whole yeah. time I'm on the trail. <laughs> yeah. I started carrying bear spray just because of cougars. Yeah, we have a few black bears in and around here, but the likelihood of coming across them, at least like nearby me, isn't too likely. I feel like where you're located in California, you're in a really good launching pad to go in any which direction to go hike and explore. How would you describe the hiking scene in and around your neck of the woods? It's been up and coming the last few years. I feel like a lot of people have started hiking more where I live, which is great because, I mean, we have the accessibility. I'm like literally two hours from Yosemite, an hour from Kings Canyon and Sequoia, three hours from Pinnacles. And those are just the national parks. I mean, we've got amazing trails just going up into the backcountry in the High Sierra. And lately, yeah, I feel like more people here have been hiking and exploring those areas. And I'm always shocked to hear, you know, somebody who's lived in Fresno, where I live, for their entire lives. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've never been 
into Yosemite. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, people come from all over the world to come to these national parks that are right in our backyard and you've never been. But yeah, our yeah. trails, the trailheads, you know, used a few years ago, you would drive up there and there'd be nobody at the trailhead and there'd be nobody on the trails. But within the last Probably more so with COVID and social media. You've got to get to the trailheads at like 6 or 7 o'clock or you're just not going to find parking. Okay. Same thing with the national parks. I mean, you got to be through that entrance gate by like 6 o'clock if you want parking in any of the national parks. It's just, it's crazy. So it's kind of, it's a good thing. I like seeing people getting outside and on the trails. But at the same time, I'm like, oh man, like six years ago, these trails, I had them all to myself. Yeah, it's a fine balance, right? Because you yeah. like that people are going out there, but then the line like for us here in the pacific northwest they haven't announced when they're going to do it but eventually they're gonna do time to entry into mount rainier national park so you'll have to get a permit and i've only had to deal with that at arches but i feel like especially the more popular national parks that's kind of the direction a lot of the places are heading yeah yosemite did that with covid and you'd have to get permits and it was good because you could go to the park and there were as many people and it wasn't as crowded but for the locals like i just drive through yosemite to get to the east side and i would have to prepare and get a permanent a reservation just to drive through and that was you know i get why they're doing it but at the same time like i said it's just kind of like okay but like can the locals get through can i just drive through really quick i promise i won't stop and take a single picture i'm just driving through now i think and, and this is something that i submitted when when they asked for public feedback but at least allocate you know a hand full of daily permits for locals because and and i imagine it's you know something that's nationwide but like if you're a local and a national park is you know a day trip away it's nice to have a free day and then be like oh i'm gonna go to the national park today and Mm -hmm. be able to do that and not have to worry about getting a permit to get in but you know we're recording this episode at the end of summer and I don't know if you guys are feeling it down in California like we are in the Pacific Northwest, but the fall is definitely creeping in and you could sense the seasons are changing. But as far as your summer experience hiking, do you have any memorable visits or hikes that you were able to do this last summer? Yeah, this summer it was tough because we got so much snow last winter that our higher elevation hikes and our backcountry hikes didn't clear of snow until like August. And it was the same issue with going over to the east side, Tioga Pass, which is how I usually get over to the east side. It's a four-hour drive instead of like a six or more hour drive. Didn't open until the very last week of July. So I didn't get as much hiking done as I'd wanted to. And it's so hot down here that you really have to go up to like 8,000 feet until it's tolerable to hike. It kind of forced me to go out and travel more and get out of California and do some road trips. A couple weeks ago, we got up and explored some lakes, and that was good. Um, last week, we just went to the Grand Canyon, like you touched upon. But it hasn't, I haven't been super active on the trails as much as I was last year, just because there was still so much snow everywhere. No. It was good. We needed the snow for sure, but... <laughs> No, yeah, you guys got plenty of water, at least for this year, and I'm hoping it becomes a little bit more consistent for you guys. You've kind of touched base on it, but there's so many unique regions and landscapes within your state. You know, you can go down to SoCal and be in Death Valley, Joshua Tree. You can go into the Sierras. You can go to the coast. 
There's such a wide variety of landscapes across the state. What are some of your personal favorites that you like to visit each year? I love the east side, and I've heard other guests on the podcast mention this. A lot of the Californians, it's kind of like our own little paradise over there. It's like you're not even in California anymore. It feels more like you're in Wyoming or something. And you've got like the Sierra are just like right there. Like you're standing down in this valley and you're just looking up at Whitney and you're down in the sagebrush. And it just, it feels like you're in Wyoming, I swear. And it's beautiful. And then that's where you get the best fall colors and the aspen groves. You drive up and you're at, you know, 8,000 feet and you're basically at a high Sierra lake, which makes the hiking complicated because you're starting at such a high <laughs> elevation and you gain really fast. So if you're not used to the elevation, it can be kind of tough. Yeah. It's like this year earlier, we went up to the White Mountains, which are on the other side of Owens Valley. They're on the east side. And we camped at like nine or 10,000 feet and we hiked up to the Bristlecone Pines. And there's no crowds, there's less people, and it's just beautiful. And it's like the vibe over there. I started going there a few years ago and I try to get over there at least like five or six times a year. It's like you got to get there for the fall colors. You got to get there in the summer. You got to see the wildflowers, which don't bloom usually until like July or August just because it's such a high elevation. And it's just like the lakes and everything over there is just like spectacular. I love it over there so much. It's my happy place in California. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it sounds magical. Now, you know, one place that I think is in the Eastern Sierras, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been on my bucket list for several years now since I've seen pictures and videos from this place, but that's Alabama Hills. Oh, yeah. You've had some wonderful visits. And for me, just looking at the pictures, the Sierras look almost fake compared to the desert landscape in front of it. How have your visits been to Alabama Hills? And can you share a little bit about what makes them so unique? I think, like you said, it's like the contrast between like kind of these red rocks and these big boulders. And then you're looking up at the Sierras and they're just right there. I first went there for a geography club field trip in college. And we got there at night and we stayed in the town of Lone Pine and you couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. And I woke up the next morning and I looked outside the hotel and it was just like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, I'd always been on the west side of the Sierras and you don't really get the same impact on this side. Like you have the foothills and then you've got the Sierra and they're kind of, it's hazy and smoggy over here. And half the year you can't even see them. To be on the east side for the first time and look up at the Sierras and I was just blown away. And then you get up into the Alabama hills and they filmed like a ton of movies there. In the town of Lone Pine, there's a little film history museum. It's really cool to check out. All of the movies that they filmed there was like the first Iron Man, Tremors, and a whole bunch of like these old Western movies because it doesn't look like you're in California anymore. And like, I think Hollywood, they're like, oh, this is right in our backyard. We don't have to go to the (laughs) Middle East to film this. We can just be like, oh, here we are. And it's super accessible. And it's it's a really cool area to check out and hike around. And you got to do Mobius Arch because that's like the famous like Instagram where you're looking up through the arch at Mount Whitney. And it's just like, okay. You got to get that shot, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I love the Alabama Hills. And I stop there every time I'm driving through just because it's right off the road and it's really easy to get to. And you just driving, drive around. And depending on like the clouds or the weather, it just looks different every time. And it's just, it's really something to experience. And then last year I discovered outside of Bishop 
It's called the Happy Boulders and Sad Boulders, I mm-hmm. think. And it's kind of like the Alabama Hills, kind of the same vibe, but a lot less people. So maybe I shouldn't be telling uh-huh. this on the podcast. <laughs> it's a really cool area to explore. And you're just like hiking along these boulders and there's these like these little caves and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, this the east side is just like no other place. Yeah. I like I every time I go over there, there's so many new areas to explore. And I'm just like, okay, I gotta go here, here, and here, because I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I'll have to look up that movie museum because now that you mentioned like Iron Man was filmed there, I feel like I know the scene. Yeah, I think uh, it was supposed to be Afghanistan. It's like when he comes out and they're like dropping the bomb and he's standing there. Yeah, that's Alabama Hills. It's wild. Oh, (laughs) wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that was the scene I was thinking. Now, you know, one of my favorite things on the podcast to talk about with guests, Becca, is outside of the national parks, because the national parks are beautiful. A lot of them are well known. But I feel like especially California, they got some equally impressive state parks, recreational areas. And you've been able to capture some amazing photos from some of these unique places. Can you share um, with our listeners some of your favorite non-national park areas to explore? Yeah, I mean, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to go on and on about the east side, but one of my favorites is um, Inyo National Forest, and it's the area on the east and west side of Owens Valley, so that's the White Mountains and the eastern Sierra. Again, it's just it's beautiful, and that's where you get the bristlecone pines, which I think are like five or 6,000 years old. It's like the oldest tree in the world oh. is up there. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And then that goes up into the eastern Sierra. Um, I love that area. Right in my backyard is this, like Sierra National Forest and it's just encompasses it surrounds Yosemite and you get some really nice backcountry areas there and then up around Tahoe the national forest up there yeah we've got a lot and then for like state parks like Red Rock Canyon I think it's called in Southern California Mm, it's like a mini Bryce Canyon Jurassic Park was filmed there And that's wow. a real, I love exploring that area. And we went there this spring and the wildflowers with the super bloom. And it was so, oh, it was no so cool. Yeah. It's like oh, when the desert yeah. blooms, it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the pop of color compared to what it normally is just contrasts so well. Now, outside of California, you've had a chance to visit some amazing places across the country. And, you know, because of this podcast, you know, I've always wanted to go to Wind Cave National Park because it's part of the national park system. But several people that have come on have mentioned the grasslands in South Dakota. And you've gotten the chance to visit not just Wind Wind Cave National Park, but also explore in and around the Dakotas. How was it visiting that national park and the surrounding landscapes? It's amazing. A 10 out of 10. Definitely recommend. <laughs> I love South Dakota. Uh, I'm kind of weird. I love, uh, I was just talking to a friend about this. She's like, I love forests and trees. And I'm like, yeah, but I really like open, vast prairie and open plains. That's where I really feel like the most peaceful. Maybe it's because I know there's no bears out there that are going to get me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or if there's one coming, I'm going to see it coming at yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's just you feel the breeze and the breeze blowing the grass, and it's just like the most peaceful feeling. And then in the summer, you get these amazing thunderstorms. And then the bison—they're just like this like primal animal, and they're like powerful. And it's just—it's so inspiring. Like I love South Dakota. 
a wind cave is really cool. Like I love cave. Anytime I can go to a cave, I'm like, yes, I'm going into the cave because yeah. I'm obsessed with bats. Like they're my favorite animal. And I was really disappointed. We're on the tour in wind cave and the tour guide was like, well, you'll all be happy to find out, but we don't have that many bats in wind cave. And like everybody on the tour, cause you know, generally people are all afraid of bats and they're like, Oh yes, yeah. yeah, sweet. We don't have to worry about bats. And I was like, Oh man, like I want Aww. my money back. <laughs> Like, I'm here for the bat, but it's really cool because you're just, like, walking around. And then Wind Cave is, like, right on, like, the cusp of, like, the Black Hills. So you've got, like, patchy forest and you've got the grass and it's, like, beautiful open sky. And then there's just buffalo walking around. And then you drop down into these little valley areas and there's all these trees. So it's, like, you're back in the trees and it's green. And then you go back up on the ridge and you're in the prairie again. And it's just, like, it's really – Wind Cave is 100% – underrated for a national park like i definitely recommend it badlands was really cool but i think i liked wind cave more than badlands even oh okay i gotta ask becca so what's the easiest way to get to wind cave do you have to fly into the capital of south dakota and then drive out there i was going to my cousin's wedding in fort collins so we were we flew into denver for that trip and drove up through nebraska in south dakota because i'm on a quest to go to all 50 states and i'd been to all of the states around south dakota so i was like okay i'm in colorado that's pretty darn close we're going to south (laughs) dakota i'm like i'm checking it off so we drove up there from denver but there's probably it was only like a six hour drive i want to say from denver and it's oh, a pretty drive. Really yeah. And we drove through, we stopped at, I think it's called Scott's Bluff. It was like on the Oregon Trail in Nebraska. And that was really cool too. Nebraska is also totally an underrated state. Like there's a lot of hidden gems there. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to visit Nebraska, but I visited rural Kansas and some of the state parks and just recreational areas are pretty surprising because you know, I feel like Nebraska, Kansas, they don't really get the hype as a hiking destination, but they definitely have some really amazing places to go visit. Yeah, I agree. They they call them the flyover states, but I call them the sleeper states. I'm like, don't sleep <laughs> on them. Like, you got to check them out. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Now, you kind of touched on this, but, you know, Yosemite's in your backyard. It's easy to get to when there's not hundreds and hundreds of feet of snow. But I feel like the wintertime, the park definitely becomes a little bit more sleepier, less crowds. And you've been able to capture some amazing moments in the winter. How's it been visiting Yosemite in the wintertime compared to the other seasons? I love Yosemite in the winter because there's way less crowds. The best time to go to Yosemite is after they've closed it because of a winter storm or something. And the very next day when they open it, that's when you go in. You have to have chains. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't know how to put chains on or they don't have chains to their car. So that it really it keeps the crowds down. And I was a few years ago and there was a big storm and they closed the park. And I went in the next day. I took the day off of work and I'm like, I'm going in. <laughs> and I swear there was maybe five other people in the whole valley. And it was like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, it was amazing. And it's like Yosemite in the winter when it's got the snow on it. Like you don't even – I was taking pictures and I put them on Instagram and somebody commented, they're like, oh, it's really cool in black and white. I'm like, bro, that's not in black and white. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like with the, like the contrast of the granite and the white snow and the trees yeah. with the foliage on them. Was, it's really pretty. It's like 
it's it's Ansel Adams. That's you know that's what it is. <laughs> and then yeah, and then you go into the lodges and they have these big fireplaces and they're decorated for Christmas and it's just it's this whole vibe down there. And there is they have a skating rink at Curry Village and you can skate there. And then also little known fact, there is a ski resort in Yosemite, uh, Badger Pass, and that's where I've first learned how to ski with <laughs> that badger pass in yosemite and they've got cross-country trails and you can actually cross-country ski out from there they have some huts you can cross-country ski out to some of the points and up glacier point you can cross-country ski out there some of it's room but at a certain point you go off down into the snow and then there's you know there's some downhill runs and stuff too but yeah it's kind of a hidden gem too so you know i've skied in yosemite <laughs> oh that is awesome you know, I don't know if the listeners are waiting for this question, but I know I've been waiting to ask this question. And if the listeners aren't aware, you have an adorable hiking companion by the name of Buttons. Can you share a little bit about him and how he um, has been adjusting to the trail life? He So Buttons is interesting. My daughter really wanted a cat. And she wore me down, you know, as kids do. Mom, I want a kitten. Mom, I want a kitten. Mom, I want a kitten. Okay, we'll get a kitten. I'm a dog person. <laughs> so I always joke that Buttons is kind of the result of what happens when a dog person gets a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's definitely more dog than cat. He's really interesting. So we got him and, you know, a lot of people have asked, well, how did you train him for the trail? And how did you get him used to the harness? And I didn't. Like, I got him when he was like 11 weeks old. And at 13 weeks old, he was finally big enough that I could put a harness on him. So I got the smallest harness I could find and I put that on him. And he was fine. Like, he didn't react or respond to it at all. So he kind of explored with that for a little bit. And then, like, the next day, I was like, well, he's not really reacting so I tried a leash and I took him out on the patio with the leash and the harness and he again like didn't even react to it at all he was like this is completely normal <laughs> and I'm like blown away by this cat because I've had cats in the past and you put a harness on them and they do the flop over and they just lay yeah. there and they will not move <laughs> and they look at you and they're like hard pass like no this is not happening I'm a cat <laughs> leave me alone yeah. so buttons is just like blowing my mind so it's like the next weekend let's take him out on the trail so we went out to a trail here it's super flat and easy it's just a short little hike down to the river and i get him out of the car and i put him down on the trail and my partner just starts walking down the trail ahead of us and buttons just starts running behind him like it's the most normal thing in the world to do. And he's this tiny little kitten. He's always been small for his age. I think he was the runt of the litter. Uh, and I'm going down the trail and I'm laughing like I'm dying laughing at this little kitten just <laughs> running down the trail with a leash and a harness just having the time of his life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like how did I get so lucky that this is the cat I got? And then we had a road trip and it had already been booked and everything to Petrified national park and it was like a month after we got him i was like well i don't want to he didn't have all of his shots yet you know i couldn't board him and i didn't have anyone i was like it's a three or four day weekend i didn't want to leave him alone yeah. so i was like well let's see how he does in the car so we put him in the car a couple of times and just did short drives and he did fine and you know we keep him in his carrier so he's contained he's not loose in the car for his safety yeah. and ours and we drove from here to petrified with him and back and he just chills in the car. He just sleeps in his carrier or he'll lay there and kind of watch us. This cat, this might be too much information, but we have a little travel litter box and it <laughs> zips up like a little briefcase and we put oh. it in the back of the car and buttons... <laughs> 
will use the litter box like in gas station parking lots. He's used it in restaurant no parking way. lots. <laughs> he just uses it. And it's like, this cat is so crazy. And it's like, I've, you know, people have told me, it's like, he's the perfect cat for you. Like he was made for you. He's like a road tripping, hiking cat. Yeah. Obviously he has limitations like on the trail. I think the most he's done is mile, mile and a half. Cats are like dogs. They don't sweat. So they start panting. So we have to be really mm. careful anytime it gets too warm. Like if it's over yeah. 60, 65, we don't hike with him. We have a backpack on the trail that we can put him in if he needs to get put away safely or just gets tired or something i mean he's he's popular too people love him we took him at grand canyon we had him out <laughs> on the rim and people were coming over and they were turning their back on the grand canyon and they're like oh my goodness look at this cat can we pet him can we do it? what's his name asking us questions and i swear at one point there was two california condors and they're sitting there on the edge of the grand canyon and people were coming up and they're like, look at this cat. And I'm like, yeah, but look at the condors. Like, that's a super yeah. rare bird. They're like, oh, but it's a cat. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He's cool. But look at the condors. Drawing <laughs> people, the attention. People love him. Yeah, he gets a lot of attention. And he's super friendly. So he goes up to people like a dog and will greet them. One of my favorite pictures where he's not posing, but I think it's at Petrified National Forest or National Park. But it's you holding him up in front of the sign. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was awesome. And, you know, talking about the Grand Canyon, you recently did this trip. You know, the Grand Canyon, definitely up there as far as one of the most spectacular national parks, I think, in all the world. And you went down and hiked down to the Three Mile Rest House and then back up. And that is a, a journey in itself because isn't it 2,000 feet, a little over 2,000 feet of elevation gain on the way up? Uh, yeah. So how was that experience uh, making the hike down and then coming back up? It's kind of a weird hike. You know, it's 2,000 feet of elevation gain and it's six miles round trip. So it's 2,000 feet, which is in three miles, which, you know, isn't that's not too bad. But it's tough because usually you start a hike going up and you get the hard part out of the way at the beginning of the hike. And then you get to the end of the hike, like a lake or a summit or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, at least it's all downhill from here, you know. Yeah. So it's easier. With the Grand Canyon, it's opposite. So you don't know like I had like a lot of anxiety and I was on the shuttle bus like two hours before we were going to do the hike and there's a sign they're like many people overestimate their hiking abilities like be careful before going into the Grand Canyon I'm like am I <laughs> overestimating my hiking abilities like what am I doing maybe I shouldn't do this like because once you get down there then you've got the hardest part getting back up I'm yeah. like okay it's fine I can do this like I've done harder hikes I, you know I did last and that was 2,000 feet of elevation gain I think around there and about the same distance and i'm like i you know i've done hikes that are about the same level of difficulty i can do this one so we left at four o'clock in the afternoon because i hate hiking in the heat so we're heading down and a lot of people are coming up at this point and it's like the hottest part of the day we're going down so it's pretty easy you know we're not exerting ourselves too much and we're seeing all of these people coming up and they not to hate, but they look like they were straight up dying and like wheezing. And I'm like, I feel like I'm in an emergency room at a hospital watching these people. And I was getting alarmed. I was like, okay, I'm in over my head. Like, I can't do this. And then we come around a corner and there's a ranger and he's on the radio and there's a guy laying on the trail with one of those heat blankets on him. So I think he oh, had no. a stroke or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> but we pushed on. We got down there. We got to... 
I think it's one and a half mile, the first stop. And we stopped there, mm-hmm. you know, to cool down and fill up our water bottles. So the cool thing about this trail is there are restrooms and water bottle fill stations. So that was, that helped my confidence because nice. I was like, okay, I can fill up my water bottles. I can drink as much water as I need and I'm not going to run out of water. And um, we get there and there's these two guys and the same ranger shows up. He's like, I got a distress call from you guys. And they were struggling and having all sorts of issues. So the other cool thing about this trail is that three mile and one and a half mile houses there are boxes where they have trekking poles mres blankets yeah because i guess this trail's pretty tough so finding (laughs) that out i'm like i've never seen that on a trail before and i'm like i'm having anxiety i'm like okay we got to keep going we got to keep going i'm stubborn i'm really really stubborn so when i have my goal in mind like i'm gonna get to it so we get down to three mile house i'm like okay we made it you know it's six o'clock it took us two hours to get down and everything i read you know was like for the time it takes you to get down it's going to take you double the time to get back up so it's already six o'clock and i'm like okay let's have some snacks and drink some water and go to the bathroom and then rest for a little bit and then head back up because like we're not going to get up until like 10 o'clock at night so we're sitting down there and two rangers show up again (laughs) oh no and then a helicopter shows up and this helicopter circling and i'm like oh my god Like, I'm sitting there, I'm having my snacks. I took my shoes off because I was getting blisters on my feet in between them. And I had the mole skins, but they were coming off. And I'm like, okay, I'm putting my shoes back on. We're hitting the trail now. Like, I can't stay down here anymore. Like, we have to get back up because at this point, like, it's going to take us so long to get back up. It's going to be like tomorrow morning. So we immediately hit the trail back up. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, this isn't so bad. We got to one and a half mile house. We had headlamps on us. I always carry a headlamp. So we put our headlamps on because now it's, you know, pitch black, basically. And then bats are flying around. So I'm stoked about that. And I'm feeling good. <laughs> like, I'm feeling, I'm like, this is great. We have got the trail to ourselves. It's cooling down because the sun has gone down at this point, you know, and we're, we get back up and it took us two hours to get back up, too. So it was, you know, two hours down, two hours up. My confidence was like soaring at that point. I was so proud of me. I was like, I, I nailed it. I did it. And I was like, I was pumped after that. And, you know, I already have like, you know, 50% of hiking for me is mental. And I get into my head a lot about these things where I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's going to be too hard. I can't do it. And so like every trail I do where I successfully complete it, it's just like another like way for me to look back for my next difficult hike. I'm going to be like, but I did this hike and it was harder. You know, I like I've done yeah. round top and I've done Lassen and I did Grand Canyon and I know I can do it. So it's like every one of these hikes for me is like this big achievement just because it helps my mental state a lot and my anxiety when I'm hiking. So Grand Canyon, it was tough. It was tough mentally, but physically it wasn't at that tough. I mean, it wasn't easy, but yeah, it, mentally yeah. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to die on this trail tonight. <laughs> oh, I feel you, Becca. Yeah, it's something about completing these things that seemed nearly impossible that open up like other avenues when it comes to hiking. Like, oh, I, if I did this, you know, these might be possible as well. And, you know, Becca, we're recording this episode at the end of summer, and you've already uh, talked about some gorgeous places in and around your neck of the woods for fall colors. 
and you've captured some amazing aspens and even a few larches, I think, that are changing their needles into that golden color. Do you have any um, hikes or trips planned for the fall season? I've got a few. Well, actually, tomorrow we leave to go to Bryce Canyon. So that'll be like the first. But then, yeah, in September, we're going to the east side out of Bishop and Lake Sabrina. And we're going to try, I think it's Hungry Packer Lake. It's kind of a weird name. Might be too early for fall (laughs) colors, but maybe once we get up a little bit higher, there might be some or they might just start changing. And then, um, yeah, November, I'm going to hit up Redwoods National Park. So I've got two national parks in California left, Redwoods and Channel Islands. And so Redwood is next. Next on the list. I'm stoked about that. Never been there before. Don't know. There might, I think there are maybe some deciduous trees on the coast, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be getting too many fall colors this year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exciting. You're going to be able to cross off one more California National Park and yeah, Channel Islands. What a way to finish the list. Now, Becca, some day hikers have either a summit ritual or a summit routine, or maybe it's the end of a hike routine. For some, it's a favorite snack or meal that they pack. For others, it might be a trail beverage or even just a moment of zen at the top. Do you have a regular custom or routine that you do when you reach your summit or maybe when you make it back out? I am a fan of a summit beer, you know, that the indoor at the lake just to crack open a cold one or <laughs> a room temperature lukewarm one, depending. Yeah. yeah, just to kind of enjoy my time and, you know, have a nice beverage. Uh, if it's a really tough hike, I tend to not just because I need to keep my hydration levels up and the beer can be pretty dehydrating. So that depends on the hike. Um, I'm a snacker and I'm like food motivated on the trail. So I bring, (laughs) I'm always, I'm like a grocery store. I'm like opening up my backpack and I'm like taking all of these things. I'm like the Mary Poppins of trail snacks. (laughs) (laughs) I like like jerky, And then I've got to have my sweets up there. So yeah, when I get to the top, I usually snack and eat a lot um before heading back down or you know back on the loop or wherever and then yeah i'm a sucker for like pizza or a really good burger after a hike because yeah Yeah. like i said food (laughs) like i I have something in my head and i'm like okay this is what i'm craving like this is what i'm hiking for and then i get there i'm like yep that's the burger (laughs) something about a hamburger after a long hike it just it hits different Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Sometimes, like, right when we're starting off on the hike, I'm, like, already thinking about my post-hike meal and what Mm. it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, what restaurant's on the way home? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now, Beck, when it comes to all your pack gear, is there one luxury item that you take that kind of falls outside of the essential pack list? My camera. Mm. And every time I hike, I'm like, just leave it. You know, it's a Sony mirrorless. So it's not super heavy. The lens is probably heavier. Again, it's pretty simple. It's lighter, but it is extra weight. And every hike, I'm like, just leave it. Just use your cell phone. Just, you know, I've got an iPhone. It takes decent pictures. I don't need it. But I always bring it with me. And most of the time, I get those shots where I'm like, okay, this is why I keep bringing it with me. Like, (laughs) But that's definitely my luxury item. I don't need it on the trail. It's not going to save my life in an emergency (laughs) or serve much of a purpose. But I do carry it with me. Yeah, and a lot of um, your pictures are just, the contrast is just spot on. Um, oh, thank you. Some really great ones, yeah. Now, for 
fellow hikers um, that are also cat owners. Do you have any tips or advice for um, hikers that might be interested in taking their cat or kitten out on the trail? I would start, so if your cat's not used to a harness, just like at home, put the cat in a harness just for a little bit, distract them with a treat while they have the harness on, like, you know, or play with them with one of their toys or something just to kind of get their mind off the harness. And then as the cat adjusts, hopefully the cat adjusts to the harness over time, you know, just keep it on for longer periods of time. And then, you know, maybe take the cat outside with the harness with the leash. Just make sure the cat's used to the harness and okay with the harness before you try it with the leash because it's like a whole other, you know. And then same thing with like the car just start slow like we would just put buttons in the car and go for like a five minute drive and come back just so that he doesn't think that every car ride is going to be a 12 hour car ride and when gotcha. he's a kitten he's just like oh okay okay all right i can handle this you know <laughs> and then yeah for the trail just bring we've got a little water dish um a lot of cats aren't going to be comfortable drinking water on the trail mm. uh, so we bring it's called churu c-h-u-r-u and it hydrates them so it's kind of like a thicker chicken broth basically and it's in this Ooh, like okay. tube and that helps them hydrate and cats will eat that on the trail they're more likely to eat that than just drinking water because it tastes really good apparently it is human grade too so in an emergency it'll probably <laughs> give you some protein also i don't know i haven't tried it but you know i'm just saying hey, it, is human, it is human grade <laughs> it's like a liquid beef jerky stick that'll help keep them hydrated on the trail too if they're not going to drink water because like a lot of cats will just kind of shut down and not necessarily yeah. drink water so that's basically my tips and just make sure yeah like i said they don't sweat they pant so just make sure it's a nice and cool hike with shade and then with buttons we go at his pace like he runs and sometimes he stops and then sometimes he wants to lay down or explore something and you have to think of it differently like you're not on a hike you're walking your cat on a trail i guess and you just kind of <laughs> The, it's going to be a lot slower of a hike. You're going to stop yeah. and rest a lot more. It's a lot more leisurely. But yeah, it's just kind of getting in the mindset of I'm walking my cat on a trail. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look up Churu. Is how it's yeah. pronounced? Yeah, Churu. Mm. I, I just buy it on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, I have to look that up. Yeah, I um, love it. He goes crazy for it. <laughs> does it come in different flavors? You know, um, in case yeah, of an I, emergency, people want to try maybe <laughs> beef or yeah. chicken. <laughs> yeah, the one I have right now is like the chicken variety pack. So you okay. could probably even throw it into like, you know, a mountain house or something and add a little flavor. <laughs> It might improve it, actually, Becca. It might improve a mountain house meal. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not going to judge if I hear about anybody eating on the trail. <laughs> now, uh, Becca, you've shared about some of the awesome uh, trips coming up this fall and for the rest of 2023, but any hiking goals on the horizon for 2024? Well, hopefully I can get back into uh, Mineral King. I'm hoping the road opens mm. next summer because there's some hikes I want to do back out of Mineral King. Um, um, Sequoia, there's a few hikes. I can't think of the name. I think there's ones like Charlotte Lakes. Yes, yeah, so some more back in the backcountry in the High Sierra. Hopefully we get a little less snowpack so they open up a little bit earlier in the season <laughs> next year, I'm hoping. Yeah. Plan a lot of hikes last minute. It's always kind of like, oh, well, I'm here. What hikes are here? And then I'll look and see what local hikes are and then just kind of do them like that. Nice. Instead of planning my trips more around hikes, I plan my trips more around like national parks or, you know, 
towns and whatever I want to explore and then throw in hikes afterwards. That was it for the regular questions, Becca. This um, next portion of the podcast is the this or that questions. I'm going to be giving you two hiking related topics and you just choose the one that you prefer out of the two. So the first one is, do you prefer ascending or descending? That's tough. That is tough. (laughs) Probably ascending. If I had to choose, descending's real. It's that's hard. Yeah, I'd say ascending. Ascending, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, do you prefer waterfalls or summits? That's also really hard. <laughs> I'm not like a summit seeker by any means. I do love a good viewpoint though, so I like getting higher and just being able to look out on things. So probably summits. And when it comes to your trail systems, especially when trying to reach a summit, do you prefer switchbacks or straight up? Switchbacks. That's how we do it in California. I'm hearing about <laughs> other people in like the East Coast and they're like straight up. And I'm like, that's brutal. <laughs> that's yeah, that's something else. I don't mind the switchbacks, even if they add a few more miles to it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And people, yeah, sometimes switchbacks get a negative. like, oh man, look at all these switchbacks. And it's like, yeah, but that means you're not going straight up. <laughs> now, this next one, are you team trek poles or are you freehand i am team trek poles all the way i just got my first pair in for christmas last year and yeah i think they really saved me doing grand canyon just because like my knees i didn't hurt at all going down and then coming back up it was weird like i could kind of feel it in my arms and my lace coming back up but not bad so it was like distributing all of my energy differently and I felt like it really really helped. And you know um, Tammy on the trail told me this um, on our hike that you burn more calories if you have trek poles because you're working your arms. That makes sense because I mean my arms I can feel that in my arms like I'm using muscles in my arms with my trek poles that I'm like well I just did a hike why are my arms a little bit tired? I'm like oh <laughs> like I'm using yeah. more muscles now. <laughs> <laughs> now when it comes to your footwear do you prefer trail runners or hiking boots so i'm gonna go i haven't hiked in trail runners yet um right now i'm hiking in a hybrid hiking boot i think it's a hiking boot trail runner hybrid and i think with my next pair i am gonna go trail runners i don't like shoes like i'm in flip-flops 90 percent of the time i just (laughs) i was like and i grew up in the generation where our hiking boots were like these are the lightest hiking boots on the market at 10 pounds and i'm like oh no (laughs) and i hated it and they they're yeah so i like my feet to be free and moving Uh, so i recently i was using the moabs i was hiking with like the low moabs um by merrill and that was i was like okay these are lighter hiking shoes and i'm like i'm gonna go lighter and it's another merrill i can't remember what kind of merrill and that's what i'm using now and i'm liking those too so it's kind of a slow transition but i think next pair are gonna be runners Oh, I'll have to reach out and see how you how you like the transition to full-time trail runners. Yeah. Because um, I'm in that same boat. I've always been a boot guy for the ankle support. And mm-hmm. I found a hybrid hiking boot from Adidas where it kind of looks like uh, a sneaker in a way. But it has an aggressive tread on the bottom. And it's somewhat lightweight, still not lightweight like a trail runner, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm in the exact same, but I think they're, I think the boots I have, or the shoes right now I'm using are like the Merrill Speeds or, or the Moab Speeds, I think. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like the hybrid between a sneaker or tennis shoe and a hiking boot. And I really like them so far. Mm-hmm. I've been really happy. So I'm like, okay, I can, I can even, I can go lighter and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to your trail systems, do you prefer a loop trail or an out and back trail? Loop trail. 
I like new scenery. I do the same thing when I plan road trips. I plan big loops. <laughs> yeah, because then you see different parts of the, the country or the state. Okay. Now, when it comes to bodies of water, especially some of those gorgeous mountain lakes that you have in your backyard, do you jump in or do you stay dry? I jump in every time I jump in. That's <laughs> like It's like a rite of passage in my family. It's like my dad started it. And yeah, you, you jump in. If there's water, you jump in. doesn't matter if it's cold, you get in. <laughs> now, I feel like California gets beautiful sunsets but when it comes to sunsets and sunrises do you have a preference between the two sunsets because like you said california gets amazing sunsets and sunrises you got to get up too early (laughs) (laughs) this next one's tough because you get both of them but spring flowers or fall colors that one is really tough because fall is my favorite season but i love wildflowers like i yeah, when you get up into the high Sierra and you're seeing the wildflowers or down in the deserts and you've seen the wildflowers and there's like so ephemeral and then some years you get more than others. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a wildflower girl all the way. And then this last one is probably the most controversial one out of out of all of them. But when it comes to your social media, do you tag a hike or do you not tag a hike? I tag the location. Like I'll tag like the national forest I'm in or the national park, especially if it's already pretty well known. Like it's a picture of the Grand Canyon. Obviously, I'm at the Grand Canyon or Yosemite. I generally don't tag the trail, but Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to ask, you know, I'm going to tell them what trail it is. That's a good balance. I figure. (laughs) Now, that was it for for this or that questions, Becca. Um, It's been awesome getting to chat with you and learning about ins and outs of Central California and amazing hiking opportunities that you've been able to accomplish over the last couple of years. Um, If folks aren't following you yet on social media, what are some of the best spots um, they can see your upcoming adventures on? I am only on Instagram. See, they can follow me at Instagram. I am Becca. It's just I dot M dot Becca, kind of like I am Groot, but Becca. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be sure to add it to the episode um, show notes so people can follow along. Becca, it's been awesome chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been awesome. And that brings us to the end of this episode alongside Becca. We extend a heartfelt thanks to her for coming on the podcast. Make sure to stay connected and follow her upcoming adventures on Instagram at i.am.becca. We have an incredible lineup of episodes planned throughout the fall, and we can't wait to share them with you. New episodes will be dropping every Monday with occasional bonus episodes on Fridays. To ensure you never miss out on those thrilling tales, remember to hit that like and subscribe button. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to join our vibrant community on Instagram at Hikes and Mikes. We'll be sharing episode visuals, my own personal hiking content, and so much more. Let's stay connected and continue to inspire each other on this remarkable journey. As we bid farewell, remember to tread those happy trails, embrace the great outdoors, and keep the spirit of adventure alive. Until next time, my fellow explorers, happy hiking. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram at Ketza Music.
This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit FlipSocksWithAZ.com and enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the Season 2 promo code proceeds to Big City Mountaineers, who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off. For website and promo code, See the episode description. 